Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. Thank you so much uh, for that welcome this morning. Amen. Romans chapter 8, if you'll go there, just a great... uh, great privilege uh, for me to come and to minister uh, here in this place. I love preaching the Word of God. Amen. I, uh, uh, the happiest I am, I was talking uh, with my pastor some time back and uh, was telling him the world can be falling apart, the world can be on fire and everything going, going down. But as long as I'm standing behind a pulpit and preaching, I'm, I'm, I'm as happy as a pig in the mud. Amen. The, the, world, the world is spinning correctly on its access. Climate change is non-existent. You know, I don't believe in that anyway. So if you're here, you're, you know, amen. I'm going to probably offend you right off the bat. Amen. Uh, the world heats up and the world gets cold. Amen. Uh, you know, and so anyway... Uh, but as long as I'm I'm preaching, uh, I'm, I'm 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 the happiest, Amen, uh, and the most content. Romans chapter eight. Uh, I want to preach a sermon that uh, I call "Fighting Wounded," and uh, one of the most incredible stories to come out of the Vietnam War was the story of Green Beret Master Sergeant Roy. Benavides, that here's this, uh, here's this soldier, 1968, uh, he was in uh, base camp, and this urgent cry came over the radio as a, uh, a patrol of uh, other Green Berets with their Vietnamese counterparts walked into an ambush by the North Vietnamese. And they were being cut to ribbons. They were outnumbered. And uh, it, it, it was all but over for them. He gets, one of the men gets on the radio desperately crying for help. So immediately the men started running to the helicopters. They started spinning the blades and men started grabbing equipment and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, first aid kits. All you can imagine they're going to try to rescue this patrol that's going to be annihilated. Handful of helicopters starts coming in. Sergeant Benavides was in the lead helicopter, and immediately the chopper is shot down. So it goes down, and the other choppers start landing to try to rescue these men. They've got to get them out of there. They're, they're not going to beat this one. This is, they're, 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 they're just too outnumbered. So what do you got to do? We've got to get them out of here. And as they start to begin to rescue, immediately, Sergeant Benavides, as he's exiting his helicopter, he's shot in the leg, 
and he goes down. He picks himself back up and then is shot in the back, falls to the ground, gets back up, starts running to where he can hear the screams of his fellow soldiers, and a chai com is thrown, Chinese communist grenade. They called them chai coms. He, he sees this a, a nanosecond before it explodes. He sees the grenade come in. He's hit with shrapnel, and immediately he's knocked unconscious. He doesn't know how long he was out. It had just to be moments, but he comes to, and he gets up, and he's limping. He's, so he's been shot twice, grenade shrapnel. He sees one of his men on the ground wounded picks him up, starts carrying him back to the helicopter and immediately feels this incredible agonizing shooting pain and realizes there's an NVA soldier that has just bayoneted him. He drops the soldier, no doubt, but he's able to take out his knife and he kills the NVA soldier. Picks up the wounded American again and this time another soldier comes running up to him and hits him square in the face with the butt of his AK-47 breaking his jaw. He takes out a pistol. He shoots this soldier to death. And, uh, and then in the process of carrying this wounded man back to the helicopter, he's able to shoot and kill another NVA. So here he is. He's killed three soldiers carrying one man to the helicopter. He drops the wounded man into the chopper. He himself is so shot up that he passes out and he falls waist in into the chopper as the helicopter begins to lift off. They pull him in, but he's so shot up. He's unconscious now. He's bloodied. They think he's dead. So they pull his body off to the side. They continue working on the wounded. They get him to the base camp where the soldiers, the doctors, now uh, the army doctors begin to work in him, but, but they see him. They think he's dead. He's barely breathing. His face is matted now with dried blood. And they, 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 one of the doctors goes, he's dead. He's dead. And so they begin to put him in a body bag. And as they're putting him in the body bag, he comes to as he's hearing the sound of the zipper closing. And if you know body bag, they're, they're practically airtight. They, they shut their rubber. Because uh, uh, normally when someone's in a body bag, it's pretty bloody. So they, it, they're made out of rubber. And he knows if he closes that zipper, he's, he's a goner. And he musters all the strength he can. And as the doctor is is closing the zipper, he musters all his strength to be able to spit. And he spits a loogie <laughs> into the doctor's face, getting his attention. And the doctor's like, my God, my God. And, and he, he realizes this man's alive. And they unzip him, they pull him out, and they get him into surgery. In 1985, Roy Benavidez received a belated Congressional Medal of Honor by President Reagan. When President Reagan heard this incredible story, they said, well, what did we do for him? 
And they said, apparently nothing. They said, apparently he was submitted for uh, the CMH, but the paperwork got lost. And he said, this is not right. He says, I order that man here in my presence. I want him in the Oval Office. They found him, and he came wearing his Green Beret uniform, long retired now. And one of the most incredible pictures of President Reagan putting the Congressional Medal of Honor over this 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 man that really technically was almost written off, if you know what I mean. But what was so interesting is what made this man's story is that even after he had been wounded repeatedly, he still rescued souls. And that's our call. And so I want to preach a sermon called Fighting Wounded, Romans chapter 8. We're all going to be wounded in life. I wish I could say that life is the gumdrop trail. And uh, this is one of the things that you teach your kids, isn't it? When they come home from school, they've had a bad day. This has happened, this mishap, whatever. This has gone wrong. And what do you tell them? Life is tough. That's life, son. That's, that's, well, that's not fair. It's not fair. Life isn't fair. Nowhere is it written life is fair. But you got, you, you, you're going to have to get tough. And so, Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fighting wounded. So the first thing I want to talk to you is the reality of the battle. So, you know, any new convert, if they're saved for any length of time, you know, they'll, they'll understand that we are in a warfare. Amen. It, 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 you know, you must grasp this. The Christian life is a life of war. Okay? Good and evil, light and darkness, kingdom of hell, kingdom of heaven. And you and I are in the front lines of this battle. I remember when I was a, a young boy, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but I, I grew up with John Wayne movies. And, uh, uh, I, you know, now anymore I go to places and I say, who, 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 who doesn't know who John Wayne is? And I see all these, I'm like, this just ain't right. You know, this just ain't right. And, uh, but I grew up with John Wayne uh, movies, you know, where, uh, if it was a Western, you know, he's in the cavalry. And the last minute as the, the Indians are about to massacre the settlers, here comes the cavalry, you know, blowing the trumpet over the hill. Or uh, even, even uh, I think it was 1967, I believe, somewhere around there, uh, John Wayne even made a movie, The Green Berets. The, here's one of, uh, the, to me, it's a classic, you know, and... Uh, uh, if I could find one, I'd, I'd, I'd get a poster of John Wayne in that Green Beret uniform, put it in my garage, you know. 
And because uh, I know my wife wouldn't allow it in the living room. So all my stuff, you know, is is uh, it goes in the garage, you know, and and uh, but but here, you know, it's it's I grew up with these movies. Uh, Americans didn't lose. We won. And uh, this was one of the things that happened in the 1970s is when we lost the Vietnam War, America couldn't grasp it. This is why the veterans of that war came home to, to uh, no parades, no victory parades. They didn't come home as heroes uh, because even our society couldn't grasp. What do you mean? This, we've always won clear-cut victories, you know, and suddenly here's this one. There was no winners. In this one, people go, well, North Vietnam, what? No, they lost like two million people in that war. They didn't, if that's called winning, who needs it, you know? And, and, and so this is a reality. When I was in the, uh, getting ready to, I was thinking about joining the military. I remember going down to the recruiters. I'm in high school. I was entering my senior year of high school, and I knew I wanted to go in the military. And I remember going to the recruiter's office, and here you see these pictures glamorizing, you know, and, and, and here be, I go to the Army recruiter, and uh, here's these, these paratroopers, you know, they're all decked out, and pictures of Green Berets and Delta and all these others, and, uh, you know, the Air Force, there was pararescue and, and, and all these, uh, you know, Navy, you could talk about the SEALs. So they have these posters going, you know, they're, they're awesome. And people join, you know. But the reality, though, is people die in war. I, my stepfather came back from Vietnam. He did, I, I know, three tours. But my mother said he went four times. But he would, and he came back almost immediately the fourth time with a, a wound, a girl. Uh, he got wounded by a grenade. But I know at least three times went to Vietnam, but the problem is it's what came back. He was wounded, not just physically, but he was wounded mentally. He was not the same man that, that left, if you know what I mean. Because this is the reality of warfare is things happen. People get maimed. I, I, I've, I've pastored young men. And I remember when Afghanistan 9-11 happened and I'm pastoring young men and they're a pastor, I'm thinking of joining the military, I want to fight for my country and on and on. And I understand that and I've told people that's honorable, that's commendable, you know, and, and that, that's an honorable thing, wanting to risk your life to the, defend your people, to defend your nation. But listen to me carefully. I said, don't be, don't be misled, don't be confused. People die in war. You just got married. You got a baby girl. Or your wife is pregnant. Listen, I understand that. But you, you've got to think about other things too. People get maimed. People get disfigured. People get burned in war. And, and mutilated. They survive. But they walk into Walmart. And, and, and kids see them and start crying. It's the reality of warfare, folks. Even spiritually, we're in a war. We go to conferences. You know, many of you, you've been at conference before, and, you know, they have these pastors giving reports. There's times I've gone up there, you know, and we're, and we're going to hear from Clarksville. We're going to hear, you know, Bob Alvarez, you know. And, 
and uh, you come up there, and I mean, it's just victories, incredible victories. I've stood up there many times where I'm like, I want to give you a report of what God's doing, and, and, and you just, I mean, you're so excited. God's moving. Your church literally doubled. We started, I remember 19, or no, uh, 2006, we started 2006, uh, February with 25 people. We ended the month with 50. It was just this amazing outpouring of God. But you know what? I've also had to give reports where it ain't going well. Monday night, you're checking in, you know, and they're going, uh, Pastor Roberts, Pastor Roberts, okay, you are giving a report tonight. Uh, and and, and I've, I've, I've stood there going, dear God, dear God. And I remember one time even blurting out, I just want to be left alone. And they're looking at me. They don't know how to respond to that. But what, what it is, 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 is I've been hit. I've been hit. I've been wounded. Things aren't going well. Uh, there's times that, you know, you ever heard those testimonies where, you know, you have a testimony service and someone, else, and I just want to give a victory report. Jesus! Oh, oh God! Uh, you know, and my, my, yeah, you know, and they're just giving this incredible victory report. There's times that, you know, I've gone up to people, do you want, do you want to testify tonight? No, no, no. And this is the reality of it, is that we get hit. The pain of life is inescapable. The wounds of warfare are inescapable. Amen. And there's different kinds of assaults that the devil, that the, that, just think of a war. There's different kinds of attacks. There can be a sniper. It could be an all-out assault. It could be mortars. It could be artillery. It could be booby traps. In other words, the devil, the enemy in a war can attack you in different ways. And our enemy, the devil, can attack us in different ways. And depending on what the attack was, it can leave a mark. I've, I've pastored men that, that were marked by war. It's, it's common. In Clarksville, it was common. You walk into Walmart and you see this dad with his kids and he's pointing or something like, son, get that for me, get that for me. And the son's trying to reach and, and uh, you know, maybe he can't reach. And then you see the father, you know, come walking around and he's got this titanium leg. And he's trying to reach, but the problem is, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, if he reaches too far, the leg falls off, you know, and, and, and there's different, you know, kinds of wounds. I've seen, I've seen men with arms blown off. I've seen men with a chunk of their skull blown away. And, and, and it can leave different kinds of marks. And the same thing with the devil. Persecution. I've seen people that, that, are undergoing a mental attack. I've, I've dealt with people that they've had a nervous breakdown. Their, their mind literally just shut down. There's people here I'm willing to bet. You've sat in your room maybe crying by yourself, saying to yourself, God, I'm going to lose my mind. God, please help me. Sometimes it could be a physical attack. It could be health. It could be sickness. You know, James Martinez, here he is having revival in Glendale, Arizona. Liver cancer. 
you know, it could be Bridget Meyer that here, again, just an incredible congregation in Jacksonville, Florida, and here she is stricken with, 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 with cancer, and, and you're praying, God, God, you're, you got to heal her. My own wife, I was talking with somebody be, before service, that here, even my own wife, she's not here this morning. A physical attack, uh, uh, you know, arthritis and, and everything. And, and these, depending on the attack, like I said, they can leave different marks. Listen to me carefully. Jesus is talking to the disciples one day, and he makes a statement. He says, listen to me, listen to me, guys. It's impossible for offenses not to come in life. What is he saying? He says, listen to me. Guys, listen to me. We're all going to get hit. That's life. That's life. We're all going to get hit in life. Even Jesus experienced this. John chapter 6, verse 66. That's always freaked me out. John 666. You know, that, that it says, and from that day on, many of the disciples followed Jesus no longer. It says, many of the disciples turned back and followed Jesus. Now, now listen to me carefully. Listen to a couple key words there. It says, many, many, not just a couple of crazies that, that hung out, you know, with them. It says, many, and it says, disciples. That these weren't the Klingons. These aren't the weirdos that are just kind of hanging on, you know. Uh, remember, even Jesus said he, he would purposely thin out the crowd now and then. Remember, uh, he'd say something so offensive to them that they would, and, and they'd walk away. And he did that on purpose. He said, just because you've got a big crowd coming don't mean they're all on your team. Just because they're all coming to church. You know, he's like, just because someone says they're a Christian don't mean they're a Christian. Right? Right? So he would purposely do that. He goes, and the, the disciples would ask him, why did you say something like that? He said, you know, and, and he goes, you know why? He goes, I'm paraphrasing. He says, you know why? Because I'm getting rid of the ones that are just following me to get the free groceries. They dug it when I fed the 5,000. They got a free lunch out of the deal. He says, no, I'm thinning them out. But what's this text say in John 6? It says many of the disciples, these are men that he's already poured himself into. He's given himself to these men. Camaraderie, friendship, fellowship, all these different things. They're gone. The, the moment is so heavy. Ponder this for a minute. This, this moment is so heavy as these men are walking away that he's standing there and he looks at the disciples. Will you go also? Are you going to go too? I mean, I'm talking, he's taking a hit. Are you going to go too? So even he understands this, that this is life, that we're going to take hits. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, we love that scripture, right? You know, you know, it, it was never prosper. No weapon. It's not going to prosper. It's not going to Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But let's examine that statement for a bit. Let's, let's read between the lines. One, that tells us there's an enemy. Two, that tells me he has weapons. 
And they're pointed against me. And that word formed. No weapon formed against you. That word formed means handmade, custom made, tailor made for you. For you. That the enemy knows your marriage, he knows your upbringing. He knows the things you're struggling with. Things that before, I remember when I was young, I, I, I didn't, there was nothing that could take me out. You know what I mean? You know. And, uh, uh, but here I am, I'm 65. This next year, uh, uh, March, next year, uh, Mark, 40 years I've been in the ministry. And when I was young, I, I, I'm like, I can take the world, ain't nothing, you know. And, and now, it, it, you know, my goodness, uh, I, I was telling the brother this morning, I wake up with bruises. I wake up and I'm like, dear God, where did this, where did this come from? Is my wife beating me in my sleep? Or like, my God, where, what was I doing? How do you get a bruise there? You know, and <coughs> sickness can affect me now where, where before it didn't. Things that, when I was younger, used to roll off my back like water off a, you know, off a duck's back. Uh, but today, it can take a toll. Amen. It can have an effect on me. So hell can use, hey, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that hell can use sickness against us sometimes. He'll use your age. He can use the circumstances that you're going through in life. And he'll custom make an attack just for you. So let me talk to you secondly about the danger of getting wounded. You hear a term nowadays. And, uh, you know, how many have ever been watching the news, you know, or you're, you're reading, you know, news online or something. And you hear a term, they say they didn't survive their injuries. Uh, you know, maybe somebody had a horrible accident or something and, and you find out later they were rushed to the hospital where they died due to their injuries. And in warfare, they'll say, you know, he succumbed to his wounds. Or in other words, he didn't survive the wounds. He didn't recover from being wounded. Listen to me carefully. I know I've said this here before and you've probably heard this from your pastor. You had to write this in your Bible. Life is 10% what happens to you. It is 90% how you respond. When I was in law enforcement in San Diego, I remember this guy got shot five times with a 357 Magnum and survived. He was a bad guy. He, he was, he was a, he, uh, you know, later it got discovered he was on PCP. <laughs> but I mean, 357 Magnum, that's a cannon in your hand. And this guy got shot five times. Then there was the highway patrolman who got shot in the arm with a 22 and died. You're like, what, what in the world? That this guy can survive these five incredible gunshots and this officer got shot by a 22 in the, in the arm. Drops over dead. Life is like that. It's 10% what happens to you. But listen to me. 
life is going to be 90% and heaven will be watching. How are you going to respond? Something's happened to you. A blow of life. A setback of life. And this is true regarding wounds. It's 10% how you were wounded. It's 90% how you're going to respond. Because people respond differently when they're wounded. I've seen people backslide. I've seen people leave the church because they were wounded. I've seen people where there was a setback of life. And they, they quit coming to church. How many have ever talked to somebody and they said, well, you know what, I don't go to church anymore because you know what, in 1968, you know, I, I pray God I need a miracle, I need this and that or this happened and, and uh, or, you know, uh, uh, yeah, you know I, lost, I lost a child and, well, you know, whatever, and I needed a miracle and God didn't move and so, you know what, I want nothing to God. They ran away, they quit. How many have ever knocked on a door, you're on outreach, you knock on someone's door you want to say, hey, we're from the potter's house. We don't. don't even talk to me about God. Don't talk to me about the. How many of you have ever read India? And I'm like, okay, I, I'm picking up a little bit of uh, bitterness here. <laughs> what happened? I'll tell you what happened in 1957. I, I'm like, holy cow, dude. <laughs> oh, my God, Eisenhower was still president. You're like, Oh, okay, hold on, wait a minute. You know, and they tell you some story. But you know what you're dealing with? You're talking to a person that never got over the wound. What they're saying is, I got wounded in 1957. And they've never gotten over it. People backslide. Ruth and Orpah are an example of this. Think about this. These two sister-in-laws have gone through the same identical. They've both lost their husbands, both lost their father-in-law. Both have lost everything. They're all on their way to, back to Israel. And the Bible says that after a while, Orpah turned back and went back to Moab, right? She turned back. She quit. You know what she's saying? Later for this. Later for this. The wound is too much. The blow is too much. I'm going back. I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to Moab. And we never hear from her again. Well, here's Ruth. You know, she's going through the same thing too. But she stuck with it. Isn't it interesting? Her story ends differently, don't it? I'll, I'll get into that later. But listen to me carefully. This is really what I'm after. One of the biggest dangers of getting wounded is becoming bitter. You know, you, you've heard the term, and if you're here, you know, you, you, you know, you've probably used this term, you know, maybe cleaning a wound, you know, your, one of your kids gets a bad cut or something, you got to go in and you got to clean it, and they're like, no, 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 you know, they won't let you touch it, and you're, listen to me, listen to me, I got to clean this, we don't want an infection to set in, and this is the danger with being wounded is that an infection. You know more people died? The Civil War was the bloodiest American war. Because whether it was the North or the South, they were both Americans, right? And so that's why this its incredible. Like 600,000 Americans died in this thing. But you know what's so interesting is that the vast majority of people that died, the soldiers that died, they didn't die from the wound. They died from infection. They died from infection. Back then, we didn't even understand what germs were. You know, these surgeons would be going from patient to patient with the same knives, with the same, 
you know, the same saws. They're treating. They have no idea. Okay, you're transferring, you, you, you know, infection from one to the other. Back then, uh, you know, and, and, and I don't want to get gross, but people defecated around the camp. They just defecated. It wasn't like today. You go, you know, when I was in the service, we'd have maneuvers. We'd be bivouacking out in the, in the stick somewhere. But even then, we had trenches. We, we you know, it, it, one of the first things you do, you know, Alvarez, Smith, Malcolm, Latrine. You know, you're there with your pick and shovels and, and, and we're digging slit trenches and we're making a latrine. Everybody lives here, but we go to the bathroom over there. Well, in the Civil War, they didn't do that. They just, wherever. And these doctors are walking in it. Then, after a while, their knife gets dull, so they're going to sharpen it. So what would they do? Back and forth, you know, on the, on the, on the, sandy, on the sandy soles of their boots, they, they sharpen it, not knowing. Germ, we don't, it's not even the vocabulary yet. And then here they go. That's, and then, you know, 10 days later, uh, what happened to that one guy? We cut his leg. Oh, he's dead. Leg turned green, fell off, you know. And, 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 and so here's the biggest danger in an open wound is infection. So listen to me carefully. To a Christian, the biggest, most deadliest infection is bitterness. Let's go back to that man that got offended in 19... 57. What killed him? Was it the offense? No, it was the infection. He's bitter, still bitter. Half a century later, still bitter. And this is what Satan is hoping for, is that infection sets in and it ultimately kills you. That something's happened to you. Maybe you're here this morning and something happened to you, maybe years ago. And you're still twisted about it. Somebody offended you. Somebody hurt you. And you still say, I want nothing to do with that person. I don't ever. See, the question is, can you still serve God even after you've been wounded and not get a foul attitude? That can you still serve God with a smile on your face? Can you still go on an outreach? Can you still go to your job and witness to people with a smile on your face and telling them about the love and the goodness of God, even when you've taken a hit? Pastor Campbell, you know, we, we go to Granny's, and uh, his home there is just minutes from this graveyard. And... Uh, uh, he's taken us there, you know, uh, a couple times. You know, he wants to visit, maybe Connie wants to visit Gail's uh, grave. And we've gone, you know, and, and here's this graveyard, this country graveyard right off the side of the highway. If you're not paying attention, you drive right past it. We'll pull in and he'll walk and uh, he'll be this grave marker and he'll walk up and he'll say, hi, baby. And uh, maybe he'll clean it off a little bit, you know. Uh, if it's snowing, you know, he'll wipe off the snow. And you can feel. And he'll, somewhere he'll tell you the story. And I'm sure everybody here, you've known the story. His 16-year-old daughter fell off a cliff 100 feet. She died in her brother's arms. 
And, and here he is. He says, as, he says, my mind is shredding. My mind is shredding. He says, as they're lowering my daughter's casket into the grave, he's holding on to Connie's hands, tears coming down their hands. Do they understand what's happening? Not at all. Not at all, but he'll tell you, he says, with tears coming down my face, Bob, I kept telling myself, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And that's the issue is can you still trust God even after you've been wounded when all of hell wants you to get bitter, get infected, and then down the road, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? I've, I've, I've traveled, you know, where I've gone to churches, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, when I go and I come back, and it's just like here I've preached, you know, revivals, you know, here and there, and I come back. And, and, and I've gone to churches where I go, hey, what happened to that couple? What happened to that one couple? What was their name? And, and uh, whatever happened to them? I remember they used to sit right there. When, and, and the pastor will go, oh, Pastor Roberts, I, I just, it's, it's so sad. You know, and he'll tell me about some tragedy, some crisis that hit them, and they never got over it. They got bitter at God. They got twisted. They started just complaining. And, he go, and in time, and what do you hear? It's, they, they didn't survive. It was bitterness. The wound didn't kill them. It was the bitterness. Jeremiah makes an interesting statement. You know, here your church is, you know, it's called the potter's house. And, if, you know, and that's from Jeremiah chapter 3, uh, this revelation of God. In this first few chapters, he's giving mankind this revelation of how it works. And so why, why the potter's house? Why do you call your church the potter's house? Because what he's saying is God is a potter, and he's going to make something out of you. He's making something in you and me. But he makes a statement in this revelation. Does the clay demand of the potter, why have you done this? Another translation. Can the clay ask of the potter, why did you make me like this? In other words, what he's saying is if clay could speak, the clay doesn't ask the potter, hey man, what gives? I wanted to be a teacup. You, you made me a saucer. What is that? A saucer. Talk about shallow. Yeah, you know, I wanted to be a pitcher. I wanted to carry something. You know, I wanted people to pour lemonade in me. Instead, you, you, made me, you, you made me a bowl? You made me a soup bowl? He says the clay doesn't demand of the potter. Why, why did you do this? So what am I saying? Listen to me. One of the biggest things that'll trip you up, listen to me carefully, listen to, listen to this old man. One of the things that'll trip you up in your walk with God is demanding of God an answer of why this has happened. In other words, people want God to explain himself why this thing has happened. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many people here, you've been in prayer and you're like, why, why, why? Why, God? And if you're Mexican, ¿Por qué? ¿Por qué? If you're German, ¿Was es los? You know, ¿Was es los? ¿Gott? ¿Ein zwanzig Jahrhundert? 
you, you know, and, and, and it is like, you listen, listen, you'll drive yourself crazy asking why. Why? Why? And so he brings the clay, and the clay doesn't go, why? Why? Your job is shut up, and I'm going to make you what I'm going to make you. If, you want, if I'm going to make a saucer out of you, I'm going to make a saucer. Listen, God doesn't have to explain himself. You'll, you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy. You'll lose the victory. Demanding of God. Why? No, somewhere you have to go, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. Here's Joseph. How many years, my God, how many years in Egypt? Mugged by his brothers. Sold as a slave. Framed for attempted rape. Prison. Years. Let me close. Let me talk to you about the revelation of the wound. Listen to me carefully. There is a revelation that God only gives you once you've survived the wound. In other words, there are answers that only come down the road. I've gotten revelation from things that happened to me years ago, years and years and years ago. I'll give you an example. I don't talk much about my childhood. Truth is, I hated my childhood. Grew up in an abusive family. My, my, me and my little brother, my, my little brother caught the worst of it. But I, I grew up in, 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 uh, uh, in fact, it wasn't until later as I became a police officer. I'm in the academy and we had to, you study criminal law. It's one of the, when you graduate from the academy, you're half lawyer, you know. And we'd study criminal law. And I remember we were in the section of, of child, child crimes, child abuse, child neglect. And I'm sitting there in the academy in my uniform, taking notes, and I'm discovering, my God, my mother could have gone to prison. I'm, I'm like, I just figured that's how it is, you know, that that's, that's how, and I'm like, my God, my mother could have gone to prison. They could have taken me and my brother. And, 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 and I'm like, my God, and, and like I said, my, my little brother, he caught the worst of it. But what I'm saying is it wasn't until years later, if you know anything about my family, tell you, you can probably tell you, we're a very close-knit family. We're close. We, we're, we're, you know, uh, even my daughter Shannon, she's had some of the girls in, in, in some of her friends where they, uh, you, you know, where they almost like begin to, uh, you know, where Shannon's gone up to them and go, did I offend you? Have I? Have I offended? Have I hurt you somehow? I don't understand. And what it is, is they later, I remember one sister later told her, because she came to me and she asked me to forgive her, but she said, I'm, I'm jealous. She goes, the way she treated Shannon, because she says, what it is, is I see what you have with your father. I never had that. I, 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 I see this, this relationship, this tight relationship with with. You, the siblings, and I mean, you, you guys are tight. I never had that. And, and it took me years to understand. I said, I don't get it. I don't, I'm not, how did I end up like this? How did I end up not abusing my own kids? Well, one, I got saved. Thank God for that. 
But what it is, it wasn't until later God spoke to me and he said, I've made you this because you grew up with this. In other words, I, not realizing, I said to myself, I'm never going to be this. I'm never going to teach. I'm never going to treat my kids like this. I'll give you an example. I never heard the words, I love you, until the day I left for boot camp. I told my mother, I grabbed my bag, had my overnight bag. I'm getting ready to leave, walk out the door. And I said, well, I guess, I, I guess it's goodbye. I'm, you know, uh, I'll see you once I'm out of training and come back. And she broke down, began to weep, and she grabbed me and hugged me, buried her face in my chest and said, mijo, I love you. I didn't even know how to respond. I'd never heard it before. And I remember... You know, I just just patting her and 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 go. Thanks. I I I didn't, and so I've always made sure my kids know I love them. But it was the pain of that wound that manifested God's grace years later. Joseph has this revelation of God. I mean, could you imagine? You wonder if years and years, why God? God, I don't. God, did I do something? God, where are you? What have I? And suddenly, here he is. Now, fast forward 20 plus years, the famine in the land. Here's his brothers come up. And as he's sitting on the throne, remember, they don't recognize him. They haven't seen him since he was a teenager Fast forward, and remember, then the Egyptians, they wore, they did the eyeliner thing, they plucked their brow. I mean, it was kind of weird. I mean, you know, who knows? They were the first emus, you know, the, uh, you know, they wore the mascara. I think it's called mascara. And, uh, and so, you know, who knows? God bless them. They got their own culture. But, but anyway, he's sitting there on the throne, and they don't recognize him. I mean, this guy's probably dressed to the nines, you can imagine. And so here they come, and they, they, they come before him, and they all bowed down. And Joseph, can you imagine? It says he remembered the dream of the sheaves bowing down. It all of a sudden comes together. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And remember, he reveals himself. Can you imagine? He steps, can you imagine going, I'm your brother? It's, it's me. It's me. Can you imagine tears coming down his face? He goes, it's me. It's me. And, 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 and remember, he goes, come, come, come forward, come forward. And they're all, they're all thinking, oh, my God, he's going to kill us. He's going to kill us, man. He's going to do the, you know, and they're going to take us off. And he's going, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come forward. How is dad? How's dad? Is, is, is our dad alive? How, how is he? And they couldn't. And what's he say? This revelation of God. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. To save many people. God did this. Oh my gosh. God did this. God allowed the wound. Had I not been wounded... This would not be happening today. 
had you not stricken me, had there not been a pit and a potiphar and a prison, there'd never be a palace. God did this. God did this to save many people. Just like Sergeant Benavides, wounded, knocked unconscious twice, but he gets up and he picks up the wounded soldier who's worse condition, picks him up with everything he has, carries him to the chopper, and drops him in. That many times we go on outreach, we've been wounded. We're witnessing to people on our job when we're going through a wound at that very moment. Because the question is, will you still rescue souls even when you've been wounded? But pastor, I don't understand. Why would this happen? I don't understand. And you may not. It may take years. It took me years to realize that the wounds of my childhood would later mix with the grace of God turn into the family that I have today. Four beautiful kids, 15 grandchildren, two great-granddaughters. And it was God. It was God that did this. Can you see God in the wound? You may not at that very moment. Maybe life has struck you, a setback. I've, I've got to turn. Life will throw you curveballs. I could never hit a curveball to save my life. If I hit a curveball, it's because I closed my eyes and swang. And by luck, I happened to hit it. I was worthless with a curveball. And life will throw you curveballs. When you're thinking, oh, I'm going to knock this one out of the park, and uh, suddenly you hear the ump say, strike three. But can you still serve God with a smile on your face and go, yeah, I've been wounded. Even when people come up to you, I can't believe you're serving God with this and that and this and, yeah, you know, and all this other stuff. No doubt there was people that came up to Pastor Campbell. I can't believe you still trust in your God. You're burying your daughter today. You're still clinging on to this. Job, why do you cling to your faith? Curse God and die. And in that pain, Job goes, maybe with tears running down his face, Job goes, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer. I may not understand all this, but down the road, I will. Joseph, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there are some places God can't take you till you've been wounded first to save many people. I ask you to bow your heads this morning.